you want to see the Mordfather in action, well now you can. Here's some upcoming dates. September the 19th, I'll be at the Dome Tufnell Green, London, for Attack Pro Wrestling's London debut. Tickets and information available at attackprowrestling.bigcartel.com. And September the 30th, I'll be at Wembley Arena, London, for Progress Wrestling's biggest ever event. Tickets and information available at progresswrestling.com. So be sure to come out, support the boys and girls and the rest of British wrestling, as each week we tear it apart. Everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, this lovely voice that you hear is the mod father of professional wrestling, Flash Morgan Webster. Or more importantly than that, for the next five minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation, with the lovely Kyle Fletcher. As you open Kyle Fletcher goes this week, I will be your host. Or as I like to see it, facilitator. For all these chats, discussions, gatherings, you know me, I absolutely love that word, gatherings with your wrestling favourites, or as I like to call them, my buddies, my pals, but always, my wrestling friends. This podcast does come to you most weeks, I say most, uh, it has been a few weeks, uh, only excuse I've got really is I had a busy couple of weeks, and I was going to release this one last week, and I came down with the most horrendous tonsillitis, I'm talking bad, I'm not talking fake tonsillitis when people say, oh I've got a sore throat, I've got tonsillitis, I'm talking Buckets of sweats, hallucinations, a bit graphic this one, so maybe want to skip it. Puss hanging from my tonsils, out of my mind, didn't know where I was, tonsillitis. Had to cancel Hope Wrestling, had to cancel Live Wrestling Friends, unfortunately I had to cancel those too. Um, I'm on the mend now, I uh, hit the gym yesterday, nice light session, but I can still feel it. And I um, had a bit of a heavier one today, so I'm feeling more myself and I'm looking forward to going down to the Dome tomorrow, I guess this would be today with the time is it, for Attack Pro Wrestling's debut as I defend my Attack Pro Wrestling Championship against the Wild Boar, Mike Hitchman. But uh, yeah, this podcast does come to you free of charge most weeks, and it comes to you free of charge, and we're able to do that in turn thanks to our sponsors, PinsAndKnucklesMerch.com. If you're looking for t-shirts, if you're looking for embroidery, if you're looking for subliminal, subliminal prints, uh, printing, if you're looking for flags, I'll get into flags in a second then Pins and Knuckles merch, do it all. And for this month now, with the last, I think it should maybe the last week we do it, but for this month, you can get, if you order 25 t-shirts, you'll get an extra five t-shirts absolutely free using the promo code FLASH or just by saying I've sent you their way. So again, 25 t-shirts, five t-shirts free, 50 t-shirts, 10 t-shirts free, and so on, and so on. It's free money in your pocket. Why wouldn't you do it? And the, to be fair, wasn't something I asked them to do. They were already um, they were already being great sponsors, and then they're helping me keep this podcast free. And then they came along and said, "We want to give you something back for your fans." And I was like, "That would be absolutely great." You already do so much for me, but yeah, if you want to do that, that'd be great. So yeah, promo code Flash. Go and say to them that I sent you, and you'll get some free stuff when you order twenty five t shirts or more. But yeah, big thanks to them because they keep us free on the air. Uh, if you do, of course, want to help keep us on the air and Pins and Knuckles merchandise doesn't exactly do what you need, then uh, you can head over to morganwebster.bigcartel.com. I do have a pre-order bundle uh, available till 
Friday for Wembley. The 198 t-shirts are up. It's got a three print. It's got a front, a back and a sleeve print. And if you order by Friday, you will get a signed 8x10. Probably free stick. I'll probably chuck that into and flag as well for the bargain price of £20. That is £65 worth of stuff, all for the bargain price of £20. Remember, you got those t-shirts at Wembley and they will be far more expensive because Wembley do add an additional price onto all the merchandise. So if you are looking to pick up a bargain, not only do you get a free signed 8x10 and also a free flag and a free sticker with that t-shirt that is absolutely wonderful, but uh, you'll also get it for cheaper than what you'll pay for the t-shirt alone at Wembley. So yeah, Maybe head over to morganwebster.pickhotel.com and pick that up. Ends Friday, probably 7 o'clock, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And go pick yourself a bargain. Of course, I do understand that not everyone can afford to do that. A lot of you spend all your money on just getting to shows, and I understand that. So, uh, yeah, maybe just give me a cheeky shout-out on social media. I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. I am Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I am at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Or if you want to book me for any upcoming seminars, gigs, events, anything like that, then all that can be done at the very private, I say private, it's very public, isn't it, email, which is flashmorganatlive.co.uk. Don't know why I said private then. I think I was listening to Elon Musk on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast about 10 minutes ago, that was it, and they were talking about privacy, that's why I said private. But yeah, it's a very public email. But yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email. Keep more coming, because I love seeing them people. This week's podcast, as I said, is uh, with Kyle Fletcher. I had a wonderful chat with Kyle. Um, I got Dunkzilla a couple of months ago, and I told Kyle that I was going to get him, but I want to leave a little bit of a gap. And on top of that as well, uh, Kyle's just been having uh, a stellar 2018 year. We do get into it. We do talk about uh, his recent match with uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. We do talk about his breakout match against Jay White. And, of course, um, all the matches he's had in the last 18 months. It's a train going by, so apologies for that. But yeah, it's crazy to think that I only met Kyle 18 months ago, which seems like so much longer. But at the same time, I feel like I've known Kyle for years, which is a really weird thing, isn't it? Time and concept. But yeah, got to sit down with Kyle and chat about that. And it's a really, really great podcast. I can't really talk to you about my week or my weeks in review because I have spent the last week just lying in bed, praying and saying that I'll never take health for granted ever again so I guess that's all I've got for my week in review so I guess all I've got left to say is sit back and relax and enjoy what is a stellar episode with Ozzy Oatman's Carl Fletcher enjoy people I've already started ah <laughs> shit I'm coming up there I used to uh, I think I've said this on every, every podcast I've done since this but um I used to just kind of interrupt uh, no interrupt introduce people and then uh Muscle White explained to me what a cold start was. Which one you just put the recorder on in and don't tell them. Mm. And then and, you can and, just and, and, and choose when you cut in. Choose when I want to cut in and now I just do it. Nice. Every single time. So have we cut in yet? Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll see. <laughs> see when you get home. As soon as I get home, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just play the... I'll, I'll play the cards with all the dice, see what happens. Oh. But I'm joined today by uh, Carl Fletcher. G'day, guys. Uh, good to have you coming. Most typical Australian you can. Yeah, g'day, guys. What's going on? If you were to put something on the barbie, what would you put? Uh, definitely not the shrimp. <laughs> definitely not a thing, is it? No, it's not. Where does that even come from? I couldn't tell you. Oh, man, that's something to, I'm sure somebody said to me it's something to do with an advert that was advertised in Australia. Elsewhere. Outside Maybe. of Australia. And it became the thing that, that you guys were known for, even though you don't definitely do it. 
Nej, mange år. Men er det even called shrimp in Australia? What do you call prawns? Prawns. Yeah, we call them prawns here too. We don't call them shrimp. Yeah. America call, must be. I reckon it must be. I, in America. Yeah. Definitely an American advert, then, isn't it? Definitely. I'd say so. But yeah, joining today we by uh, Carl Fletcher. Uh, you've just come off a, a real great weekend. Mm, yeah. And I did the podcast with Davis, maybe about. Six, it's been a while ago. Now. Six months ago, probably. I think it was longer than that. Really? About yeah. a year ago. Surely it would have been close to. Maybe I'd have to have a look at the numbers and work it out. Mm. But yeah, and I remember kind of speaking to you, and I said that I wanted to do it with you, but I knew that your stories would be kind of parallel, and that I wanted to give it some time mm. before we did it. Yeah. And I saw that you had the the big weekend coming up, and I saw who the and I knew who you were wrestling as well in advance. Oh. And I thought, oh, which we'll get into. Yeah. And I thought it was a good idea to uh, sit down and chat with you. So let's talk about the weekend. How did the weekend sure. weekend go? Weekend went uh, very well, thank you. So who did you yeah. wrestle? Tell everyone who you wrestled. Um, so I had a string of five shows this past week, starting on... Uh, all for RevPro? Yeah, all for RevPro. Starting on the Wednesday and Thursday, we were in York Hall doing some TV tapings. So two days on the trots in York Hall? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Sold out? Um, oh, close. Is, close. It was yeah, I don't think cool. it was like a, as big as a normal York Hall crowd, but um, it was... It was a very last minute thing and all tickets were pretty cheap just because they just wanted to fill seats for TV, really. I also midweek as well. Which yeah, is, yeah, exactly. Course. I think it was like three weeks notice or something. So where's that going to go, TV-wise? Um, so, I believe that they are picking up where Five Star left off on free sports. See, that's a good slot. See, I always thought that. we like I, Me and Gibson got a lot of interest off... Uh, off five star, even mm. though people said it was, you know, people within wrestling said it was a, it was an awful thing. Right. We, I always got a lot of interest, and I guess a lot of people, if it's free, people will watch free wrestling. Yeah, of course, and I think like, uh, regardless of what it is, like it's gonna bring in a new audience to the product, which can never be a bad thing. Never at all. But yeah, I feel like I'm really glad that they, they they're the ones who picked it up, and it seems that Andy's gone full steam ahead of it as well yeah jump straight in it's it's great it's uh it's producing a lot more work even even now for a lot of people so hopefully it it picks up and it keeps on the same track so wednesday thursday you had tv tapings who do we wrestle on those tv tapings so uh i will not i will not give too much away obviously because spoilers but uh the first night uh so each each day we taped uh four four episodes of oh, tv that's good so on the first day, we wrestled Team White Wolf, okay, which was fun. And then on the second day, uh, myself and Davis wrestled Sho and Yo from Roppongi 3K. That's pretty sick. Yeah, they're lovely boys. That's real sick. Did uh, are they going to be hour long episodes of Free Sport? I believe so. Yeah. See, that's another thing. Five Star kind of went in trying to have a three hour show. Yeah. In stadiums. They, I think they just set themselves up to fail, forgetting that WWE had taken nearly 30 years, 50 years or whatever. To build up to that. build up to that. They were just yeah. hour-long slots. Mm. Who else did we have this weekend then? So, uh, so those were Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We were down in Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth Guildhall, and it was myself, Davis, and El Fantasmo uh, up against the team of Sho, Yo, and Rocky Romero. So all three of Rapungi 3K. In the six-man main event of the evening. And then Saturday, we were up to Manchester for the first round of the British J-Cup. And unfortunately, I went out in the first round, but... Who did you go out to? Uh, I went out to, uh, I'd say, one of, if not 
my favorite wrestlers of all time, Jushin Thunder Liger. Man, I, well, just saying to you, I think it's I'm I'm yet to meet him, um, but I think that's fucking awesome, mm. so cool. Yeah, it was how a, was how was that his experience? <coughs> it was. I still kind of haven't grasped it. I think because mm-hmm. I think when you're when you're there, it just becomes another show, and like because because we wrestle so much, it's just routine. But it's not until you kind of take a step back and realize, oh, I've I've watched this man for years, and he's one of the reasons I'm such a fan of the style of wrestling that I am. Yeah, he's kind of shaped me as a wrestler, and it's not until you kind of think about that that it kind of you kind of realize how big of a deal it is. I think that's very true when you say it about like you don't take a step back. I think that's something we all need to do a little bit more because yeah. we we all of us are having every couple of months are having these huge moments in our careers but very rarely do we have a time to step back and it might be as well that we are surrounded by people who equally have either achieved more or are achieving stuff at the same level and maybe you look at them and they're not showcasing it or bragging or they just seem to be taking their stride yeah and then you kind of feel you need to do the same yeah almost downplay it yourself yeah absolutely um, but yeah, that was a very cool moment. Uh, in the ring afterwards, uh, I got to shake his hand and I actually got to tell him that wrestling him was a dream come true. And I think that was, I think that was, uh, a moment that I'll probably never forget. It was pretty cool. And That's then, really awesome. and then I got backstage, uh, I came backstage first and then, uh, I kind of went and just kind of sat up against the wall and I got real emotional for a minute before he came back. Uh, and everyone was kind of like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm really good, actually. I'm just soaking it in. Yeah. I, I try to That's do real that. cool, man. Yeah. I, I try and soak it in as much as possible when I can. But that was, uh, I think that was one of the, the only only times in recent memory that I got actually emotional uh, about wrestling. Like, personally. Like, yeah. I, I watch wrestling all the time and I get emotional. But it's hard for me to me to look at my own at what I'm doing myself and get emotional about it but that was yeah how long have you been over here now? Uh, I believe October is one year and six months Jesus man so much has <laughs> happened in, in, in that 18 months yeah like crazy like I can remember still being introduced to you and picking you up mm. for the first time yeah and like you were a completely different wrestler to what you were when you showed up oh yeah absolutely Absolutely a lot. amazing. A lot's changed, huh? He, loads. Like, I I said uh, to somebody recently, I was like, well, and we'll get into the team and we'll talk about the team. But I remember collectively seeing Aussie Open and thinking to myself, that, like, and I don't mean no disrespect here, but 18 months ago I saw the team and went, Davis is the thing that's special. Mm. And, and Kyle's kind of also there. And Kyle's like young, but there was to me, there you hadn't found your stride, you hadn't found your appeal. Of course. And collectively... That was the appeal for me. That was appeal for you because you find yourself. Hmm. But I feel that uh, now it's like when every time I watch you guys wrestle, I find that it's you that I'm more drawn to, and it's you that I find um, like kind of like improving month on month on month on. Again, not taking anything away from Davis, but I think that Davis had found himself as a wrestler a lot more when he'd come here than you had. And I feel in the last, like, 18 months, you've really kind of grasped what you do and what you do well. Oh, 
Thank you. No, I do, man. Every I've said it a couple of people recently. I feel I definitely feel that's the the case when it comes to you. Not to not to also say that uh, you've also got massive recently <laughs> as well, which again we'll get we'll get we will definitely will get into. But you came here uh, eighteen months ago, um, originally from where are you from in Australia? Sydney, Australia. Well, I was born uh, a little bit up the coast uh, in a town called Port Macquarie. But then when I was real young, I moved down to. The northern beaches of Sydney, and uh, that was where I lived for sixteen years. So, who do you live there? Who did you live there with? Uh, my mum and my sister. No dad. Uh, yeah, not so much though. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, what does what does your mum and sister do? Uh, my mother is a uh, a scientist. She works. Oh, at, really? What does she do? She works at uh, a hospital in the blood bank, and she deals with uh giving people blood who need it in situations where they could possibly die. So she's a very important person. Man, that's heavy. Yeah. What did she think about you wrestling? Um, I don't think... She's definitely not against it, but I think she definitely has had her worries at times. Do you think um, she gets it? I had a pretty... Uh, I, it's hard to say, but... The time, the first time I thought I really understood that I think she got it was um, when she came over here and she got to watch me wrestle at Fight Club in January. And I think in that trip before she left, I asked her, I was like, oh, do you, do you kind of understand now why I had to move halfway across the world? And she was like, oh, don't worry, I get it. And that was, that was a cool moment for me, I think, as well. What did yeah. your sister do? Uh, she, uh, she's currently studying. Well, she's actually currently traveling, but she's uh, she's at university to become a kindergarten to year six teacher. Yeah, I get you. You never never went to uni, did you? You too young. No, I uh, yeah, I basically finished school, got a job for about six months to try and save up, and came straight here. So what what made you want to come? Let's go back a little bit. So sure. when did you when did you fall in love with wrestling? Because that's a question I always ask. Um, When's your earliest memory of wrestling? Uh, earliest memory of wrestling was 2006, I would oh say. Oh my God, I hate you. Sorry. Oh my God, I hate you. I was still backyard at that point, but go on. Uh, so 2006 was my first memory. I don't think I fell in love with it until uh, the whole story leading up to Jeff Hardy's first WWE title win. Yeah, that was, that was great. That was all in on that. I think uh, that was that was what hooked me. And from then on, I was just always a diehard fan. You Australians love Jeff Hardy, don't you? Oh, yeah. All of you, man. Oh, yeah. Brooksy loves him. Uh, Robbie Eagles loves him. You all they love him. He's great, man. So, you saw it. Can you remember where you were when you when you saw wrestling? Or, or where... So how do you get, like, you you say about your earliest memory, 2006. Yeah. What was that? Can you remember? I remember. I think it was something, I think Triple H punched Stephanie McMahon. Some, something something along those lines. Chris Jericho punched Shawn Michaels' wife. No, it was definitely Triple H. Definitely Triple H? Definitely Triple H and definitely something to do with Steph. Okay. And I just remember seeing that and being like, surely you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> surely that's illegal or something you know what I mean yeah I got you uh, and that was just absurd to me that he got away with it and you were like no this isn't for me 
I don't, I don't, I don't be involved in this illegal was, activity. <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was more just being intrigued by, by him being able to do that. That there was a world that that was acceptable. acceptable. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. But I guess as well, it isn't just that. It's like you. I guess you would have saw that and would be like, "Is this real? Is this not real?" Yeah, I think so. If it is real, why is there no consequences to this? <laughs> yeah. I'm really confused. I think that was my main thing, just confusion. Yeah. And then when you got involved in the Jeff Hardy build-up, uh, you still living at home at this point? Oh, yeah. Would you mean, yeah, really yeah. young. Um, and you just, did you decide at this point, okay, I want to be a wrestler, or? No, it wasn't. I think Jeff Hardy was definitely what, like, hooked me on loving wrestling. But then, I don't know what it was. I just remember there was a... There's a couple of different things. I think there was one... This is really strange. There was one point I was away on holiday when I was like... What would have been? Like maybe 2010. And I remember at the hotel we were staying at, there was like a gym. Okay. And being like a 10 year, 11 year old, I was like, Mom, I need to go to the gym. <laughs> Mom, I need to go to the gym. I want to be a wrestler. <coughs> I want to be a wrestler. I got to get in the gym. I got to get big like everyone. And then I think from then on, I think that was what almost cemented it in my head that I wanted, that was where the seed started, I think. I got you. And then I remember, like, it was a real big thing to tell pe- tell my friends at school that I wanted to be a wrestler. Like, uh, everyone was like, what do you want to be? And I was like, no, I don't want to tell you. I'm embarrassed. Like, no, tell me I'm, I want to be a wrestler. They'd be like, ah, that's so lame. But it becomes a moment, doesn't it, in schools. Like, I can remember kind of wanting to be certain things. Mm. Like, I want to be a wrestler. Yeah. And I can remember, like, for a while... People would be like, what do you want to be to grow up? And I was like, electrician. Yeah. And I was like, like thought that was an acceptable answer. Yeah, yeah. Like that was what people had You're to do. You're just trying to like please other people. There was, uh, there was, uh, there's this one great one. I remember being in uh, uh, PS, he was like social studies or whatever. I remember mm. being in him going around asking people what he wanted to be. And uh, I can remember giving an answer to electrician. And he was going around, everyone's giving proper answers, like a nurse, you know, like a doctor, yeah. all these answers. And he gets this one, he gets this one kid uh, Tristan, he goes, what do you want to be? And Tristan says, a masked murderer. He says that, right? <laughs> he obviously doesn't <laughs> want to be that, but he's doing a smart ass. Right. And, uh, and Mr. Smith goes absolutely mental, starts screaming at him, saying, like, <laughs> it's not like, accept my answer. And he's like, and he's crying and stuff like that as well. Tristan's crying, he gets sent up the class. <laughs> he comes back in, he goes, and Mr. Smith goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've had a conversation with Tristan. And I've, uh, I misunderstood what he said. And we're all like, no, you didn't. And he's like, Tristan, what did you say? He's like, I said I wanted to be a masked inspector. <laughs> Which isn't a thing. And Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith was just like, okay, he wants to be a masked inspector. We're all like, that's not what he that's said. That's not what he said. <laughs> he said at all. Uh, but I think it's, it is one of those things, isn't it? It's like you get to, a, uh, you get to an age when you've got these, probably got where you really want to be. You've got that dream of what you want to be. And and then it becomes accept it doesn't become acceptable anymore to have those dreams and people want to have legitimate answers from you. Yeah. Which is silly. Very silly. How many people directly in school want to be footballers? They want to be professional footballers and when it gets to that age, they just go, I wanna be a builder. And they might even plant that in their head then they're not good enough to be a professional footballer. I feel like a, a almost a majority. So, I, I don't know. So when you kind of were telling people you want to be a wrestler and they were laughing, did you think that it couldn't be done? I don't think I thought it couldn't be done. I just, it definitely like deterred me, I think. Like I definitely went a while where I didn't like 
I just I had no one to talk to wrestling about. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of like kept my love of wrestling hidden for a while, and I just was in my own little bubble. I never I never thought it wasn't possible, but uh, it definitely put me off the idea. I think. So when did you actually start making strides to becoming a wrestler? When did you like? You uh, think okay, this is possible. Um, I think. Uh, so I was. I've, I've been doing karate for. Quite oh, a let's while. go back. You're doing karate. Oh, God. No, it's uh, yeah. So I. So the karate kind of ties in. Uh, so I started doing karate when I was, in kindergarten. So five maybe. I did that all the way up until I started like uh, professional wrestling training because I just that engulfed my life at that point. Um, what belt did you get to? Got to uh, first Dan black belt. Really? Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know what I was going to say there. Not really cool. Oh. So you are a black belt. Yeah. In co- That's ridiculous. Why do I? Why do I not? Does everyone else know this? Uh, a few people know it. I'm pretty sure. But you never ever kind of like, it never became a thing. Not really. Like I know it's silly, but everyone who like, if usually if you're if you're a ju to do a judo or like jujitsu, mm. you'll end up being a gimmick within your wrestling. Yeah, but you never. No, never. That's crazy. Yeah. So you're like legitimately hard. Like, <sighs> I guess so. I guess. <laughs> All right. So you did karate. I did karate. You're a lethal weapon, Kyle Fletcher. Got yes. it. So this tied in. To how I got my start in wrestling. Okay. So, I was doing karate, and then, funnily enough, there was a uh, a group of, at this point, I'm maybe like 12 years old. There's a group of, like, teenagers, 20-year-olds that, uh, that wrestle, that don't backyard wrestle, they front-yard wrestle. Because in, in, uh, in Sydney, where I lived, like, the backyards were all really small. Right. There was no room for it. So they were literally on their driveway. They built a, a base and they wrestled on that. And I remember knowing that like they did it because I'd driven past and seen it. They literally lived like two streets away from me. Okay. And it just so turned out that uh, two of them started coming to this, uh, coming to karate. They were like in the uh, the adult class, which started like right after mine. Okay. So kind of like when I was finishing, they were like warming up and it just so happened that we like managed to make conversation started there and then they uh one day they invited me to a to a wrestling event which was uh in western sydney so probably like an hour's drive away now, was this a wrestling event or was this a backyard event? this was a backyard wrestling okay event. uh and it this is funny it so happened to be in uh do you know who big fudge is I want to say yes. Australian wrestler, Big Fudge. I you'd definitely heard the name. So, it so happened that it was in his backyard. Okay. So, got invited to that and uh, just so happened to get given a match. What year was this? 2011. Okay. Um, got given a match. And then, uh, so that's where backyard wrestling started. And it just so happened at that uh, first event, I actually uh, met someone by the name of Robbie Eagles. So he was. So is this? So is this HVW? Is this HVWA? No, this was uh, XAW. So yeah. So I'm guessing this would have been a spin-off of HVWA. So this. So in Australia, like I'm sure you had the same. Everyone had their different feds. It was the same circle of people. 
in somebody else's back garden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so at this point, HVWA had uh, had ended. It wasn't. It didn't exist anymore. Um, and I YHWA in your house wrestling. Okay. They had their last event ever, which happened right after I started, which I went to. And then from there, Australian Backyard Wrestling was kind of dying out. But um, at that first event... I, I thought you were saying, like, Backyard Wrestling in Australia was dying out. It definitely wasn't. There was still definitely hundreds of people all over Australia Backyard Wrestling. Of course. It was just that little scene that yeah. was known on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Was, was all growing up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they were all growing up, but I was still 12, 13, yeah. and still in love with wrestling. But um, it so happened that... I met Robbie Eagles at that point. James Simon, yeah. <laughs> James Simon. <laughs> uh, and then when uh, when I was fourteen, I met another another backyard wrestler who was training under Robbie and the Eagles at PWA. Okay. And it just so happened that they were like, "Oh, are you interested in starting training?" I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm fourteen years old." So then I sent Robbie a message, and he was like, "Oh, you can come along to a show and help out." And then I came along to a show, and then from there I helped out at another show, and then they were like, at that point I was probably over six foot as well, so they were like, oh, you kind of developed at a 14-year-old. I'm guessing they would have said themselves, you can't start wrestling uh, too early because it's done your growth. Look at you, like, yeah. he's not growing anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So then uh, that was how I started training. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like... I love it when when I met uh, when I met the majority of Australians and you all knew about the the backyarders mm. and like when I got to meet uh, Sexton and when I got to meet <laughs> um, Robbie Eagles and stuff like that it's just cool that like that I w- I've known of them like when I met Robbie Eagles I don't think we ever kind of went hey I'm Gav or it was all like hey I'm uh, I'm James Webb. it was like it was like hey man how's it going because we've known of each other for yeah, years yeah of course and years it was just that's cool, cool that we got to meet you, meet each other in LA for the first time. So that was really cool. Yeah. So you just kind of started just started wrestling there then? Yeah, pretty much. Can you remember your first training session? Yes. Yes, I can. So was it in ring? It was in a boxing uh, studio. So in a boxing ring. So if I just wind it back a second, when you went to that backyard event, did they have a ring or was it on a base? It was on a base. That must have been the coolest day of your life, though. You oh, must, yeah. You must have thought that you'd hit the jackpot. Oh, yeah. And then uh, that that last IYHWA show, they had that w- they had a ring. And then I literally... I didn't wrestle, but I remember being there all day just, like, running the ropes <laughs> and, like, standing on the top rope and, like, taking swan tots off Did the you top. know the ring was going to be there, or did you just go there and the ring was there? Uh, I had a feeling, because I'd, like, watched... Oh, before. Would you like, oh my god, the ring's going to be, oh my yeah. god, the ring's going to be. And he got there, I'm like, here's the ring. Yeah. I'm going to be a wrestler. Uh-huh. This is it. Oh, mate. Yeah. Oh, mate. That's, I, I can only, see, I had the, the opposite. I was told that Mike Hitchman had a ring in his back garden. Yeah. I went there and it was just carpet with sticks in the floor <laughs> and a pipe around it. Which I was very, very, very disappointed. Yeah, I can And ended up being one of the best days of my life. Yep. So, thank you. Yeah. So, from there, then you start going training. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long were you training until you had your first match? So I started training January 20, what was it? It was 2013, January 2013, and then had my first match in April 2014. So you trained quite a lot, a while then. 
man, some people I've had on this podcast are like, oh, I trained for a month and I was putting my first match. Yeah. I've had some people be like, oh, I showed up to a training session and they put me straight in a match. I've had some people on here, I think Haskin said he was training four years. Yeah. Before, so I, like, I think a year, a year is a good start. Did you feel ready for that match? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a, there was a while at training where I was like, God, I, I should be on shows. Why aren't I on shows? I got to that point, and then eventually, when I did get that match, I was like, "Yes, this is this is it. This is the time." Who's it against? So it was myself teaming with Robbie against. See, that's uh, good as well. Like the trainer, kind of yeah, making sure that he's in there watching the new people. Yeah, so it was me and Robbie against uh, a guy called Matt Rogers and Ryan Eagles. So how was the how was the match? Good. I got chopped a lot by Ryan. <laughs> of course, you did. Yeah. That was fun. How many people were there in the audience? 10 to 20. See, again, I, uh, so many people coming into the business now, especially the British people, listen to this. Like 10, 20 people. But that's how it was, especially yeah. like the Australian scene's only now starting to get its 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 kick, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm guessing there probably still is shows out there mm. that only get oh, 100%. small ones out because we only seen the big ones. Yeah, exactly. But uh, was you buzzing off that match? Oh, yeah. I was Pure buzzing, I loved it. And you just came, and then you came back and was like, right, this is it now. This yeah. is what I'm gonna be. Yeah, I, I at that point I already knew, but yeah, that definitely just reaffirmed it. Your parents go, your mum go watch it. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. I think I was wrestling on shows for maybe, been maybe like close to six months before she came and watched me. Yeah. So, what was you, Kyle Fletcher, when you first started wrestling? No. What were you? I was. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see this. I wish this was a video now because I, I'm saying it with a huge smile on my face. Sometimes I like to ask questions that I know answers for. <laughs> because it puts people in really awkward situations. <laughs> what were you called, Kyle? Uh, it was a different life. <laughs> what were you called, Kyle? I, uh... I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, wore a mask. Okay. Mask had a beard. Okay. <sighs> had some glasses. Right, okay. Have you paint the picture is great. I wore skinny jean tights. Okay. What about on the top? What do you wear on the top? A beanie. You wore a beanie. What about, uh, do you wear anything on your, on your body? No. No, okay. Oh no, I did actually. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I got the answer to this as well. What do you What did you wear? Suspenders. Um, what were you called? I was the hipster luchador. <laughs> See, you say it, but hundred percent that would definitely would have been a character in Shikara that would have got super over. Oh yeah. So, so what was you? Was that your first? Was Was that what you called in your first match as well? Yeah. So you went out and got the mask. Mm-hmm. You went out and got all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And was that just because you looked too young? Or I think so. Uh, well, it wasn't, it wasn't my idea initially, it was my trainers, and I think it was, that was probably the reason. I think I was, I looked like a child, so. Okay. How do you find wrestling the mask? Um, I got used to it, definitely. Um, at first it probably would have been a bit annoying, but yeah, no, it wasn't hindering, I don't think. Did you have to train in your mask? Uh, I didn't train in my mask, but I definitely had a few training matches in my mask. Because I, I wrestled a little bit in a mask when I started, and there became moments where 
bird would make me do like full sessions in the mask. Oh yeah. Try to get used to it. So yeah, but them sessions would be like two three hours long. Oh Jesus. So it was hell. Yeah. So when you first came over, we'll talk about that in a second. But when you first came over, you were were you that character? Uh yeah. So I came. Uh I'd wrestled. I'd wrestled a little bit as Kyle Fletcher in Australia. Um, so I came over here with essentially both of those, and I just went, "Hey, I can be either one of these, whichever, whichever suits you best. I'll do whichever." So how long were you wrestling before you decided to come over here? Oh, so I had my first match in twenty fourteen, and I came over in twenty seventeen. So three just about three years, yeah. And what were you doing in those three years? Just how regularly were you wrestling? So that first year, it would have been once a month, if that, even less probably. Uh, second year, a little bit more again, so maybe had 10 to 20 matches in a year. Yeah. And then 2016, the year before I came, uh, probably wrestling, oh, I think I actually wrote I think I had about 35 matches. Considering how, how small the scene was and how inconsistent it was, 35 is quite good. Yeah. All, yeah, almost like, what, one every two weeks? Yeah, pretty much. Which is pretty good. Yeah. So what made the, the decision to come here? Um, was it always going to be Britain? wasn't always going to be Britain, but I always knew that I needed to go elsewhere. So even when I dreamt of being a wrestler I knew that I was going to have to move to America or somewhere um, and it was always America and I think it changed when I did talk to Travis Travis was definitely one the one person that I talked to and he was like and you met Travis before right? yeah so I, I knew Travis before he moved over here it was uh, I was a fan of the British scene and then Travis was like there's just so much work here and all this stuff and then I was like, I think it was the first UK tournament happened. And then I, I already knew I wanted to come here and stuff, but it was the UK tournament that made me go, oh, this is like, this is the scene. Yeah. So like, I need to be there. And then I think like, I applied for my visa a month after that. That's again, that's crazy. Cause like at this point, this would have been like the pinnacle of like me seeing my friends like Mark and Pete and Tyler yeah. and, and Trent kind of all kind of getting their moment to shine. But for you, that would have been your first introduction to a lot of these these people. Even though you knew the scene, this would have been your real proper first introduction. Yeah, so I knew, I knew um, I'd say maybe like just upwards of half of them. Oh, no, maybe a little bit less than half. But I, I'd like... I was a big fan of Progress and Fight Club and stuff, but um, it was my introduction to a lot of people and just seeing the way that a lot of them were, the way they were presented and stuff. I think yeah. that was like, I was like, wow, this is it. And then you apply for your visa, yeah, which is a two-year visa, right? Yeah, correct. So you got another, you said another seven months on it. Yeah. And then how long did it take for it to come through? Or not very long. So I had I applied for it, and then you have to, and then I had to like uh, set up like a face to face interview, and then after the interview, it was I think I got accepted maybe a week later, and then I think after that it was like one month and I was gone. So you'd been saving up money at this point, yes, because you knew you want to go somewhere. Yes, I think I think I didn't know. 
I wanted to come here and I had that in my mind but it wasn't until the UK tournament that it was like like 1000% I'm in I need to apply for it like as soon as possible sort of thing so you're like a talking to Trav and Trav's like this place is sick you should definitely come out here and you're like maybe and then you saw the UK tournament and was like yeah he's 100% right this is where I need to be yeah pretty much so sick. and what did you what did you your mum and I guess uh, Charlie think at the time as well uh, I remember telling my mum and she laughed and said you're joking right I said no she's like wow <laughs> I and then, she said it just like that. Like, yeah, that was pretty you're much joking, right? No, wow. <laughs> that was the extent of that conversation, and then, I, then I guess well, she would have been like, "He's not going." At this point, I was also seventeen. She's like, "He's not going." Yeah, there's no way he's saving up enough money to and to move and survive. Yeah, in the UK, mm. and you're like, "Hey, mom, I've got all this money." She's like, "Oh, shit." <laughs> pretty much, and um, yeah, Char- Charlie, um. She, like, obviously she was happy. She wanted me to, like, chase my dream and stuff. And, like, uh, she wanted to come as well. But there was also, she, uh, she, she had an America trip plan. Yeah, and she I, was talking about this. Yeah, so I wanted to come in April. Because I wanted to come for that first DTTI weekend. Because I was like, oh, there's going to be so many, like, so many wrestlers from everywhere there. That's, like, a good weekend, I think, to, like, yeah. jump into it. Um... And then she had an American trip planned for maybe a month or so after that. So she was like, already got that all set up. So uh, when we made the decision we were both going to come, there was still like going to be three or four months where I was here by myself and three or four months where we wouldn't see each other. So I think she was, I think we were both, obviously we were both upset about it, but I was like, this is what I got to do. And also she had that plan, she had that kind of trip planned. So it's it's difficult, but you both had a lot of things going on for those three months. Yeah, absolutely. So I always kind of like say to my girlfriend, like, sometimes she'd be like, oh, I miss you. And I go, I do. But when you've got so much stuff going on, like when we did America for three weeks, mm. we were moving around so much. You don't have time to. You don't have time to no. kind of miss anything because you're just so busy. You're so occupied. Yeah, so occupied. Like being, missing something is like when you have time to think about it. But yeah, you moved over and... Like, I don't remember... Did you do the, the hipster loot store over here at all? Uh, so there was... That first ATTI weekend, I did one dark match for Fight Club. As the hipster loot as store. As the hipster loot store. Then I had about a month where I was just training, going to shows and stuff. I wasn't booked. Um, and then my next, uh, my next match that I had was at Attack. And I remember it was that dilemma of, like, what do I do? And I know, like... Uh, Travis and Martin and Zaki, they were both like, they both were like, I think you need to drop the mask. So I had that dilemma of, oh, which do I do? And then it just ended up that I did Kyle. And then everyone was just like, yeah, you should just do that from now on. Which is, which is crazy to think about attack because if there was any place that the character would have got over mm. and would have fit in, it would have been attack. Yeah. But I'm guessing on top of it all, Chris Brooks probably looked at it and thought longevity wise what do we need here and he was like we anyone can be a funny character and I guess he probably thought to himself we can probably bring this character in if we need to at some point but he also would have gone well there's more there's there's more legs in Kyle Fletcher uh, yeah I'd say so but then Chris also just said flat out what do you think will do better 
what do you think will get over more? Which is great. Yeah, he just gave me the option. Who would you wrestle attack? Uh, first match I had was a four-way with me, Dan Maloney, Drew Parker. I think it was splits. I think it was splits. Okay. And then, I remember you had the singles match, because I remember you were quite big on making music videos when you first came over. Yeah. Which I loved as well, because that kind of... That backyard of mentality. Yeah, which, I, yeah, again, I totally love that. If, if there isn't enough people out there making music videos still at the moment. Mm. And then I think the next week, uh, I wrestled Elijah. That was it. Show. It was a spot where I think he, like, he slept. He, like, he, he slept, he leaped, he slept, and he, like, moonsaulted onto him. Yeah. I remember that spot. Can I remember... Uh, I think Davis a couple months ago was trying to figure out some stuff you could do. Yeah. I was like, do a moonsault. And Davis was like, you can moonsault. And I was like, yeah, you can moonsault. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I get nervous. But, um, where do you, so you kind of do these little bits of matches. How long were you over here before Aussie Open became a thing? So, uh, Aussie Open started after me and Davis wrestled each other at Thursday Night Throws. Throws. Which I remember you guys absolutely... I wasn't there, but I remember hearing you guys absolutely killed it. And I've gone on to afterwards to watch the match. And I feel like that was one of the moments that people stood up and kind of took notice. Yeah. I think that was... I think uh, as a wrestler, you definitely notice, like, turning points in your career. Yeah. I think that was, like, since I got here, the first time where people, like, stood up and, like, were like, oh, shit. And well, they did like, stand up. Yeah. Literally. Literally, yeah. literally stood up. But I think that was like, I was like, oh, this is the first step, pretty much. And then the next attack show, uh, I think we were just put together in a team. And we were, we were in, a, I think it was a number one contenders match. Uh, we wrestled Bolarama. That was our very first match as a team. Um, and then, yeah, that was just it. We didn't have a name or anything. It was just kind of like the two Aussie guys stuck together. Well, I remember you having this match with Davis. And I remember you and you killed it. I can't remember who said it, but some people like... So he was like, I was like, how was it? And they were like, are you they absolutely smashed it? And they went, yeah, but you could tell they somebody went like, yeah, you could tell they work with each other all the time. And then, <laughs> then I spoke to you guys afterwards, and you were like, that's the first time we ever asked each other. And yeah, I was legit. just like, I remember, I can't remember who it was, like, I remember telling the person then, they were just like, Are you kidding me? I was like, No, they just told me this is the first time we ever wrestled you and they were like, Oh fuck, I'm actually men's then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legit. First time we'd ever wrestled. I can remember though, um, did you get the name Aussie Open on the day of you guys wrestling CCK? No, it was... I remember being around when the conversation was going on. I, it was. We got the the name after. I, th- I think people had been like talking about us getting a name, but then it wasn't until after we'd won the belt that we were like, okay, we should probably give them the name. Because you were an almost Aussie Assault, right? Yes, that was a Lucha Forever concoction. You were called Aussie Assault. One, Lucha. once. Once, okay. Once. Yeah, and then we'll we'll talk about the so you you won the match with against Bolarama, mm. and then it was you guys versus CCK. Yes, so let's talk about that match because it's one of my favorite moments in attack <laughs> ever. So let's talk about that match. Okay, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> so it's in it's in uh, Trinity Center. Yes, it's for the Attack Pro Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Yes, it's against CCK. Yes, uh, who and CCK have had this big run. They're super hot. Um, and you guys, it's this, your third outing as a team, probably fourth outing as a team. Yeah, so we wrestled Bolarama. One at Lucha Forever. Yeah, the one at Lucha Forever was that same weekend, and it was against CCK, and that was the Falls Count Anywhere match. 
I remember and this. And that was the second, that was like the second point where I was like, oh, we've got something got sort of thing. Because everyone kind of went ballistic about that match as well. So that was on the Friday and then this attack title match was on the Sunday. And then, so you guys went into the match. We'll peel the curtain back a little bit here. It was uh, you, CCK, Tag Belts Online. Yes. And what were you told the finish was? So we were told the finish was CCK going over. And it was it was supposed to be... Uh, was it you get pushed in to break? It was. It was you get pushed in to break the yeah. pin by Chris. Yes. Yep. Chris is uh, on the apron. Uh, he grabs onto your waist, you grab him, and you're supposed to have a little bit of a tussle, and then you get pushed and break up the pin. Yes. And then what was supposed to be finished after that? Uh, I think it was Chris gets up on the apron, distracts the ref, something where Lycos hits us with a baking tray, and brainbuster brain one, buster, two, three. one, two, three. But what actually happened? So, uh, I I went to guard Chris to so that he could inevitably push me into the pin to break it. Yep. And then Chris just held onto me as tight did, as he could. Did you try to throw yourself backwards? Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, it went one, two, and Chris hadn't pushed me yet, so I panicked, and I tried to, like, launch launch myself backwards, but I didn't quite go far enough, and the referee counted three. And it, in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be blackballed everywhere. I... Messed up so bad. And then I just looked at Chris on the floor, kind of like smirking. And then it kind of clicked in my head. <laughs> Which I love because I saw your reaction. Because uh, we all, all of us knew, all of us knew in the back that you guys were winning. You didn't know. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing is it happens. The look of devastation on your face until you see Chris um, is brilliant. <laughs> uh, the look of pure joy on Davis's face of him going, you must have gone, oh no, you're blackballed. And Davis must have gone, that's right, we're the belt champs, we're the champions. <laughs> we're the champs. <laughs> That's it, we, we're the champs. We've we're got champs. We've got to have a return booking now. That's one more booking. <laughs> one more booking in the pocket. Which I which I absolutely loved, and I remember the place just coming unglued, because there's, there's times as well, especially when you watch Raw and SmackDown, sometimes you have you have like pay-per-view build-ups, and I always feel like, I always love when the tag belts change hands on Raw and SmackDown, because... Sometimes they happen without a build-up, yeah. and people don't, especially when you're not watching, you've got to see World Spartan, people don't expect to see title changes. Mm. And when it happens, people lose their mind, because they're there, they witnessed it. Yeah. And I feel that that was it with you guys as well, that like, it was your second time in, it wasn't a big show. Yeah. People didn't, ex- you had just showed up, people didn't expect to see this title change. Yeah. You didn't even have a name. Nope. And all of a sudden you were the attack. Tag team champions. Attack team champions, yeah. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And so, how how was how was that? I feel like that was the that really cemented you guys as a team as well. Oh, for sure. I think like for a lot of other places, that would have been the first like they'd really seen us. If that makes sense. Yeah. So like their first introduction to us would have been as a team. So I think that was just what stuck in everyone's mind that we were a team. So how how. How long was it until you started getting out other places? Um, I think it was pretty soon after that. Did you get brought in as a team at Fight Club straight soon after that? No. So I had my first... I had a dark match at Fight Club. 
Uh, as in hipster store. No, that there was that one, and then also okay. I had a four way at the first Starworks show. Uh, as Carl Fletcher, so it was me, Amari, and then two other trainees at the time. Um, so I wrestled that match, and then the day after our Thursday night, mine and Davis's Thursday night throws match, we wrestled again at Fight Club the next night. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and then. Then the show after that, I think I wrestled Haskins. I think that was the yeah, next one. Yeah, I remember one. that, yeah. And then that was like... So I think at Fight Club for a while, they, they kept us apart for a little bit. We had a little bit of single stuff, but pretty much everywhere else we were doing tag stuff. I think, And I think it just became so big on the outside yeah. that Fight Club had to kind of eventually make you a team. I think so, they? yeah. It was just too big. Yeah. And we got brought in as a team there, and then it was pretty much Aussie Open everywhere. So... From there, how long, or can you remember when you, which one came first, Rev Pro or Progress? Uh, Rev Pro came first. Rev Pro, okay, yes. so so were you brought in as a team at Rev Pro? No, so we were also, off the back of those two matches that me and Davis had, we wrestled each other in our first match at Rev Pro. God, I, like, for me, I always think that it's like this big Aussie Open build-up. Yeah. But you really did cement yourselves as, ta- as singles competitors. Yeah. And then... Uh, I feel like it probably was the Tuesday Night Graps, it was the Lucha Forevers and stuff like that that cemented you more as teams. Yeah. And attack as well, I guess. Yeah. That cemented you more as teams. So they brought you in as, and then you did a singles match there as well at the cockpit? Yeah, at the cockpit, yeah. How did that go? Uh, I wasn't as happy with that match as uh, our other matches. I think I think at that, at that time we kind of thought too much about it and kind of like, uh, didn't just stick to what we did the past two times. Got you. Which kind of like uh, a couple things went awry, but like, uh, we still got brought back, which was the main thing I think. Um, did you think to yourself that potentially that maybe the fans had already seen that match, so you kind of tried to change it? Quite possibly. When in hindsight, you probably could have just ran the same match. Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah, funny story. Uh, Glenn. Glenn Joseph was at that show and he watched our match and that was the first time that I think he'd seen us wrestle and uh, we had that match and came back and one of his feedback was aren't you guys a tag team? Couldn't you have like played off that in the match? And I was like yeah we probably could have. Yeah we probably could have. <laughs> yeah, that would have been smart wouldn't it? But then but but it's this it's that universal isn't it because you're not a tag team there. Yeah. I think that was our, our thinking behind it like no one at RevPro has ever seen us. No one at RevPro knows who we are. So let's just go out and wrestle. But I love how that was your, your train of thought. But you also have a train of thought was, but everyone's seen the matches we've had the last two times, so we've got to change it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is us being wrestlers, overthinking it completely, yeah. making our job hard for each other. So did you guys get a tag booking for progress off the back of Glenn seeing you? I don't know if it was off the back of, but it was, I think, very soon after... That we had a uh, we had a pre-show match at one of the progress shows at the Electric Ballroom as a tag team. That doesn't seem that long ago. It really doesn't, though. That really doesn't. But then, like, it doesn't seem that long ago. But in in when you think of, like timeline wise of how long you guys have been teaming, how many matches you've had, it seems ages ago. Yeah. Because you are to- a totally different team now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did that go? I think it went pretty well. We uh. Kind of went out there and just thought, oh, this is our big break. We got to do everything, did as much as we could. 
Then we got vaccine and some people were like, oh, you did too much. We're like, ah, crap. And then, um, so we had that match. I can't remember. Oh, our next match was, uh, we had a six-man. It was us and Amari against... Oh, yeah. The Never Say Die Boys and Connor Mills. Oh, yeah. Because Mills and Mayhew wasn't a thing at this point, was it? No. Again, this seems like really not that long ago, but yeah. it really was yeah. quite the man wrestling's weird when it comes to that. Yeah. So you had that, and I wasn't there for this. I believe I was. I don't know where I was. I might have been. When was this? Oh, I think it was the same day as an attack show. That that six man. It was goosebumps. Bumps. Yeah. Uh, yeah yeah because I was on attack and I do believe that Pete and Chris, Chris did and the they did the double yeah that's right and I remember you getting a lot of you guys getting a lot of buzz yeah. off that yeah. off that six man mm-hmm. and I remember progress putting it over quite highly as well yeah and then were you just did you guys were just main staple at progress after that then really um, I'm pretty sure the next match we had after that was we were supposed to be in a scramble for a title shot but uh, that was the snow day. It was the snow day. So oh, we ended yeah. up wrestling Grizzle Joe Vets for the progress With, tag belts. And I feel that's when you properly arrived as yep. a tag team. Mm-hmm. Because I feel up until then you were like an opening act. Mm-hmm. And then you went out there. I've watched that match back. That match is fantastic. And mm-hmm. I'm, and that was the, there was moments in that match where people thought you were taking the belts. Mm, yeah. So let's, let's, talk, let's talk about that, how that actually came about then. So uh, that day, like I said, we were... <coughs> We were announced as being in a, a big scramble match for a future title shot. Future title shot. And we get there on the day. It was, uh, it was uh, December... Was it December 10th? Early-ish in December. And, yeah, there was a big snowstorm. A lot of the boys were in Ireland the day before. And they couldn't get their flights I back. Cu- I couldn't get in either. You snowed get in, in. Snow- in Stafford. There was no trains. Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, the card had to be reshuffled, so we got to the venue, and they're like, yeah, so it's going to be you versus the uh, Grizzled Young Vets for the Progress Tag Team titles. Did you think to yourself, okay, this is going to be what we take it, or was it just, okay, cool, and then it just kind of just went better than you ever thought it could? No, I think it was, uh, as soon as as soon as we were told that, we were like, this is one of those times where if we go out and have a killer match this could mean a lot for us so let's go out and have a fucking barn burner which was match of the night some like a lot of people refer to it as their match of the night yeah. I thought it was fantastic thank you and then from there you became a mainstay at progress you've been brought in a lot mm. uh, you were you then by this time were you a tag team in Rev Pro as well yeah so I think we only had the one singles match at Rev Pro and then the next one we were brought back as a team and then you started. Well, I like to think as well that you've had a lot of matches with CCK, but I feel like that's where your chemistry is. Mm. Like you've had so many good matches with CCK, whether it's been at York Hall, whether it's been um, at the cockpits, whether it's been at Hope in front of uh, families yeah. that a lot of the stuff goes over their heads. I feel like you guys have just had the best chemistry with them. Why, why do you think that is? is it just, I think it's. Uh, I think it just comes down to we've spent so much time with them not just necessarily in the ring but like just in general like traveling to shows and stuff like we've spent just so much time with them and i think we just get along really well 
personally. So when it comes to having matches, it just flows really nicely. You uh, there was moments as well, wasn't it, where like the ring was always set up in Starworks for a brief period of time as well, and you guys would just go down and just like kind of like spitball ideas, yeah, and bounce ideas. Off I think that was where play around and stuff like that. That was where Davis's finisher came from. Yeah, just literally. Yeah, I was there that day, mucking around in the ring. Yeah, I was there that day. Then it was oh, do you reckon you could pull Lycos by his ankles into a into pub. a pile driver? Yeah, maybe. But I think at first wasn't it like we were trying to pull him up into like a suplex. Yeah, it was like it was it it was like pull him up into like a rana or something. That was it. Yeah, yeah. that was it. And <coughs> I think he caught him, but he didn't get him properly swinging. We were like, just give him a pile driver. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was sick. And then, I feel like one of the, what would you say like? So I think that was one of the moments you guys properly arrived. Everyone was like, okay, this is a legit tag team that could take the tag belts. And then I feel that the. Your next big one, personally, for me, would have been DGTI. I think our next big yes, one please. might have been LIJ for RevPro, because that was in January. Oh, yeah, man, definitely was. Yeah. So, let's talk about, so you did you know that match was happening when it got announced, or did it just get announced? So, uh, I had my mum and my sister were coming over in January. And I'd booked that holiday. Uh, we went and like went uh, skiing, snowboarding in the Dolomites in Italy, and so we'd booked all that. And uh, I get a message off Davis. He's like, "So Andy, Andy Q wants us on the Your Call show." I was like, "I'm away for that." He said, "Yeah, but he wants us to wrestle Lij Yvonne Sonata, uh, the IWGP Tag Team Champions." Well, not at the time, but ended up being. Yeah. I went, well, I guess I'm coming back for that. So I uh, was on holiday, got up at a ridiculous time in the morning on my holiday to get a shuttle to the airport and then flew back, <coughs> got to the venue probably 4 p.m. and had that match, uh, went straight back to a hotel Flew out early the next morning, caught a shuttle, got back by 6pm in Italy the following night. Now, did you did you save that money and pay for it yourself? Yeah. See, that, that again, that just kind of like shows how much it, it, it means it means to you as well. Like, there probably would have been so many people who probably would have gone, oh, I'm on holiday. Oh, tough luck. But you was like, okay, this is a big... Moments a big step, get in front of people. Absolutely, it was a it was a huge opportunity for us, and uh, I'm sure if I just had a said, oh yeah, I'm on holiday, they would have just said, oh okay, no problem, we'll just get someone else to fill the spot. But I, I couldn't let that happen, so I just went, it's fine, I'll come back for it. It was to me, it wasn't a big deal. It was just it was an option. You were coming yeah, back for it, exactly. How did that match go? Uh really well, I think. Um, I mean, I watch it back now, and I'm like, oh, I'm just a scrawny little asshole. But um, at the time, everyone seemed really happy with it, and I was like, oh, good, very good. Well, there was a, there was for a time, wasn't there? There was a long period of time. I think everybody was saying to you, you need to put size on Kyle. You like, yeah, you're too small. Mm. And I feel that you were you were hearing people, but you weren't listening. And, so what changed? So, uh, I think I. I heard people, I was listening, and in my head... You were doing anything you could. I was doing 
I was doing it and I was like, oh yeah, I, I'm, I am putting size on like this stuff and I'm doing what I, what I can to put on size. Uh, but the real turning point was, uh, I went to New Orleans and I wrestled Tanahashi and yep. Juice Robinson. After the match, uh, Tanahashi was told that I was 19 and he was literally blown away apparently. I was like, oh, I can't believe it. Then he just said, he's so good. He just needs to put on size. And that was the point where I was like, as soon as I get home, I'm going to do literally everything I can just to put on size. And that was like my main focus. Like I came back and I had like the following weekend, I had like one show and like there was kind of scattered shows after that. So I was like, all, all my focus was on just going to the gym, eating like as much as possible and just trying to put on that size. And I think in like, in two months I put on two or three months, I put on 10 kilos or sandstones. I think I went from 11 or 12 to 14, 15. Holy Christ. Something like that. Now, do you abide? Because like, I think you're definitely, uh, anyone who's a young wrestler who's struggling to put on size, I think you're definitely somebody they should look at. And whenever I spoke to Chapman, I always speak to, I always use, use the example. Mm. Because like, do you, like some people say like, oh, I have a meal every two hours. Do you do that? Or do you just, what do you do? What uh, do you do? So definitely when, as soon as I came back, it was, uh, yeah, essentially that just eat like, in, in your head, when you're trying to put on size, and it's like, you need to eat a lot. I think you always know if you're not eating enough, you just have to be real with yourself. So if you're having a meal and you're like, oh yeah, I'm pretty full. I think that was enough. It's not enough. Like you, you know if it's enough. Because you feel physically sick trying to get the last thing yeah, into you. Yeah, pretty much. So it's like, it was like that. And then I was just eating every, every, I think it was, uh, when I started, it was like three hours. But then like, as I went on, I tried to like make it smaller increments as well. Just to like keep the size getting put on. Cause like you get comfortable after a while. And your body gets used to it. So if you want to keep putting putting it on, you got to like change stuff up. So I try went from like three to two hours. Well, your body as well, isn't it? Like <coughs> at first you were like, um, put it's easy to put size on because your body doesn't need as much energy. But mm. the bigger you get, the more energy you yeah, need exactly. to move yourself around. Yeah. So I remember uh, Chris saying the best one. I remember talking to you about it a little bit, and Chris was just like. When we go to Wagamama's, he just orders two meals. Hmm? And I was just like, I remember just laughing thinking, so all you've done is you've literally just doubled what you eat. And you were like, yep, pretty much. I was just like, I was like, oh, you need to write this down. (laughs) (laughs) This this formula is great. The thing is, it seems so simple, but it's not until you like put it into action. Like, you got to be so like strict with it. It's like consistency above everything else. Like, it's good to do it for one day. But it's like, you don't see the results until you do it for a month or two months. Yeah. And you're like, so dedicated to it. No, 100%. Like, I, I was way smaller than I am now. And I think I'm at a point now where it's, let me try to figure out what to do. Because I'm like, oh, maybe I should get, like, I think we've had this discussion as well. Like, I think, oh, should I get ripped up or whatever? But because we're small guys naturally, 
and you probably look at yourself now and still think you're not big enough. Oh, yeah. All so the time. you're like, when people are saying, oh, maybe you should cut, you're like, yeah, but no. what if I lose all my size? No, it's it's true. Like, uh, I think it was uh, Pete said it to me. He said, you should get abs now. And I think, like, obviously I hold his opinion in such, like, high standing. As like everyone that. does, yes. But I know in myself, if I'm like, if I'm trying to do that, I know, like, even my, like, myself body image would just be horrible because right now I look in the mirror and I think, Oh, I'm a skinny, skinny little dweeb still. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, sense. if I'm not constantly eating enough and I'm not training how I am now, I'm not trying to lift as much weight as possible. I'd feel horrible about myself. There's a, I think I had to fill up the questionnaire recently at the doctors when I got new doctors and it was like, uh, do you have body dysmorphia? Do you ever worry about your, body image or think you're too small or think you have eating disorder and I was like yes I just want to answer yes to all these questions but it's obviously not unhealthy yeah. it's just it's just, just the world we live in yeah. and I do think myself that if I wasn't in wrestling I probably wouldn't care as much mm. but it's just because I'm in wrestling I yeah. say this I probably would only spend like a month out of wrestling and be back in the gym then try to get as big as possible <laughs> but yeah so you had that match out in New Orleans which again was another another turnaround did mm-hmm. you have any tag matches out there? uh yeah, so we had that match, and then we also had uh, a triple threat tag ladder match for the Fight Club uh, cross with AAW, ah, cross with Revolver. Pancakes and Pile Drivers. Yeah. So we had those two matches when we were out there. And then you came back, and it was the build up to DGTI, is that correct? No, DGTI was just before that. Okay, I've jumped forward. Huh. But that was one, I know whenever, like, you or Davis speak about it. You always say that that was one of your, one of your big ones. The DGTI yeah, wasn't absolutely. It? So the the final was for the tag belts. Yeah, I was convinced you were winning that. I was I was absolutely convinced it was you guys taking it. Yeah. Uh, Mustache Mountain still, the champs. Nah, sixty uh, k currently. Uh, okay. So we had a with Gresham, Chris and Chris and Lycos are the champs. Okay. At the so. That's right. Yeah. Um, so you had that match, how did, that was, uh, the NEC, is that correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, how do you feel that went? Really well, I think, uh, so we had two matches that night, one against, uh, Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris and Gresh, uh, and then we beat them to go on to the finals, and, uh, then we wrestled Mustache Mountain, and I think we'd had one match with Mustache Mountain, oh, two matches, we had... Two matches with them before that. One at Fight Club that was uh, pretty insane. So that was that was a cool thing to get to do again, I think. As with the dual chants, wasn't it? Where they were chanting before you even yeah. locked up. They were chanting. For a while. Minutes. Good, good five or six minutes. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. But yeah, I thought it went pretty well. I think people were pretty, pretty into it. A lot of people wanted to see us win. And then we... Uh, I think we told a cool story in that match. And, um, yeah. And I feel as well that, like, that's... Would you say that's... Because you haven't picked up the belts there. So do you think that's one of the things that's on your bucket lists to do? Yeah, absolutely. I have a I have a little goals list. And that's definitely something that's on there. And then we've got... Like, you haven't picked up the tag belts at Progress either. Or Rev Pro. Or Rev... You haven't. That's true. Yeah. So the only... So the tag belts you've picked up are... Attack, is that it? Attack, 
defiant and hope. Oh, of course. See, for some reason, I, I just assumed that you had done it at Rev and you had done it at... You haven't done OTT, you were... Nope. So you've, like, that's so, so good because I feel that CCK, when they got that ball rolling and they mm. were kind of on top, they won all they won the belts. All of them. All of them. Yeah. Which is, which is, was good because they got that sick photo of them with all the belts yeah. and kind of put a lot of steam behind them. Yeah. But I also feel that it probably, maybe in the long run, kind of like shortened runs they could have had places. Because I feel that like Mustache Mountain, uh, for example, had that progress run. Mm. And then when they, when they finally lost the belts to CCK, they went to Rev Pro and had a Rev Pro run. Mm. And then like, of course, uh, other obligations kind of stopped it. But with you guys, it really is good that you haven't picked up the belts any of these places, but are still seen as one of the top teams. Yeah. Because you could now, for example, win the belts at Rev Pro and have uh, a five to six months reign there and then drop the belts there and then pick the belts up at Progress and have a five or six month reign there and then drop the belts and pick the belts up at OTT. And, have a... and that's a lot of longevity and it also kind of refreshes you for when you come back around to maybe pick the belts up again at yeah. a certain place. Mm. So I think that's, and Fight Club as well. Yeah. I think that, I think you guys have been protected really, really well. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, we've still got a lot of stuff left to do as a team, so I don't see why there's any point in stopping it now. Still a lot left to do. Still a lot that we want to do. Still a lot that we have our eyes on. So yeah, the future's looking good. Would you say there's any uh, any matches that I've missed that you would say that are a big turning point over the last 18 months of being here that you really think mm. either helped put you or Aussie Open on the map? So there was the first Thursday Night Throws with Davis. Yep. Then the next one probably Haskins. Yep, I remember a lot of buzz off that. And then we also had the this first CCK on at Lucha Forever attack one the same weekend uh right after we won the attack titles the next tuesday we wrestled uh trend seven and pete dunn at tuesday night graps um and then there was the ref pro debut the progress debut the progress tag title match the fight club match with mustache mountain then there was lij at ref pro at york hall then I'd say the next one would probably be DTTI after that. DTTI. And the next weekend was New Orleans. Um, came back. The next one probably Chosen Bros at your call. Um, Chosen Bros. Then there was the big Fight Club thing. Then there was Christian Gresham at your call. It's kind of all run up to where we are now. That's a huge 18 months, man. Yeah. That's like so much has happened in these 18 months. I think I probably missed out loads as well. But like, did you think for a second when you decided to move here that things would have moved as fast as they have? Um, I think when I came here, I kind of didn't really know what to expect. I was kind of just flying in blind in the sense of, oh, I'm just going to try and learn as much as possible and we'll just see what happens yeah obviously i had the goal of making wrestling my full-time living um and i had aspirations of working at all these places and it's all all just kind of happened and more i mean i don't i don't know if i would say it exceeded my expectations because obviously i had high hopes but 
Uh, I mean, I can't really complain with how things have gone at all. I think. I remember speaking to Pete Dunn when he did his tryout because, of course, I was still injured at this point. And I remember speaking to him, like, saying, like, oh, was how surreal was it? And he was like, he thought it was going to be. And then he did the tryout. And he was just like, they were doing the roles. And he's like, yep, this is where I should be. Mm. I should be here. And then, like, he had his, like, he had the match with, like, Tyler at the tryout. And everyone was watching. And he was, and he was just like, yep, I deserve to be here. This is where I should be. Mm. And I didn't get that. I was like, right, okay, that's weird. And then, like, when we when I did the tryout then, I was very much just like, everyone's like, oh, is it surreal? And I got exactly what he meant. Mm. Like, it was all just, like, you running drills, you running matches. And it's just, you forget you've worked so hard over the last eight years, nine years, to get to that point. Because it just feels normal. It just becomes a natural progression. Yeah. And I was going to say to you, does it feel like it succeeded? But I guess, like, if you were to sit Kyle Fletcher down when he first got off that plane and went, oh, you would have done all this in the next 18 months, you would be like, mm, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Whereas, what, you're not, we're not asking that, we're asking you. Now. Now, where you're just thinking... Well of, co- well, of course, this has happened because everything's yeah. been a step by step yeah, by step by step exactly. by step by step by step. Absolutely. So, what's what's next, or what, what's the what's the hope? I know you've got a tour of Australia coming up. Mm-hmm. So, you, how long are you going back for? Uh, just going back for a quick two weeks. My uh, my best friend is getting married, so we're going back for that, and then just popping into a couple of shows while we're out there, and then I'm back for Fight Club at the end of the month. That's pretty cool that you get to go back and kind of a lot of people who would have saw you when you first started will see what you are now. Yeah. And hopefully... For sure. They'll uh, they'll be blown away. Well, I say hopefully they definitely will be blown away. I hope so. So what is... What's the plans going forward then? Or what's the the hopes? Or do you have anything on the horizon that we can talk about? Um, I think... I say this all the time. When I was, when I was growing up and I dreamt of being a wrestler and where I wanted to go, it was always kind of oh, I want to move overseas to wrestle. And I never kind of saw past that on uh, as to goals. So I kind of did that. And I'm here and I kind of, I've kind of been left without like a, like a big next step, like a big, not logical next step. So I'm kind of, for the whole 18 months I've been here, I'm just kind of happy doing what I'm doing and just seeing where where everything takes me naturally i think i'm just uh happy cruising and i hope i hope uh opportunities that i want will arise but if they don't i hope i'm sure other doors will open i'm happy to just take it as it comes that's real cool man if uh how are you just like to finish these up if you were to give uh your former self any advice or to be fair this is probably good for anyone new coming into the business if you were to give anyone coming to the business now advice, what would it be? Because you're a young wrestler, so this is mm. something that uh, a lot of people... It might even be people getting into the business now. It might be people that are still in their early stages who are struggling to break out or struggling to kind of come to grips with it. What would the advice be for any of them? Um, I think the biggest thing for me when I was starting and then also when I started out over here was just being around constantly. I think... If you're even if you're not like on a show, just being there and people seeing your face, people getting like familiar with your name, uh, is so important. So if you get to know people personally, 
and they recognize you personally, then when you do do something like, uh, like when I first came here, (coughs) (coughs) oh gosh, like when I first came here, I was going to loads of shows and everything and I was getting familiar with loads of people. So I think then when I eventually did have that, that one sick match somewhere or, or did something really cool elsewhere, people saw that and they connected directly to the person that they knew as opposed to just, oh, that's some person having a cool match. Yeah, I got it. It's that guy, Kyle, that I saw at that show, who's, I've seen at all these shows. That's him going and doing something cool. I think that's the the biggest thing. So I'd say just just, uh, making sure people are familiar with who you are, not even in a wrestling standpoint, but just by being around all the time. I think it's, yeah, I think that's very, very important. I think it's something that a lot of people at the moment are lacking. And I was trying to say down to the Dragon Pro trainees, like a lot of them will contact promoters and then be like, well, I contacted them, I got no replies. Like, just show up. Yeah. Just show up in a car. If you show up in a car, for, like, there's a car going down, you jump in that car, you go. They can't turn you away then because you've come with a car full of people. Mm. And at least you've got another set of hands that can help. Yeah. But I think it is all about being around and being important because I did the exact same I travelled with Mark Andrews and, and Wild Bull Mike Hitchman even when I, I wasn't on shows yeah. two to three hours sometimes as yourself did as well yeah. but I think I think that's very important to be around uh, even if it's not in a wrestling capacity just so you can build relationships with people yeah absolutely and then people will they'll want to stick their neck out for you they'll want to put you forward to places to get those opportunities and then all it takes is one opportunity and then as long as you're ready, you'll kill it, and then it'll just stem from there. That's great. Where can they find you on the internet then, Carl? Um, Facebook, uh, not Facebook. I do have Facebook, actually. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all Kyle Fletcher Pro. Kyle Fletcher Pro. Any emails or any pro s and or anything like that? Um, email for bookings and stuff is kylefletcherpro at gmail.com. Uh, I have a big cartel, aussieopen.bigcartel.com and also carlfletcherpro.bigcartel.com. Carl, it's been an absolute pleasure and I have no doubt as well that I'll probably have you on in the next year, 18 months, and you probably would have conquered the absolute world. Hope so. Hey, mate, keep it going. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. How good was that? How did I tell you? Oh, by the way, this is now being recorded on my new Zoom. I did uh, buy it. For the live wrestling friends podcast, decided to upgrade my uh, my hardware. Is yeah, hardware, and uh, unfortunately, because I was ill, didn't get to use it. But yeah, this is being recorded on my new Zoom. Anyone out there who knows anything about Zooms can give me any little hints or advice, because it is a lot more advanced than what I was recording on before. Then again, email is flashmoment@live.co.uk. But of course, if you have enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to check out our sponsors, Pins and Knuckles Jump over to morganwebster.pickartel.com and check out the Big Cartel over there because you guys help me stay on on the ears for free and uh, anything you can afford is very, very much appreciated. Or if you do want to just give me a cheeky shout out on social media, that is at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. I am at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Or, I already said a second ago, if you do want to send me an email, give me some Zoom advice, or maybe just uh, book me for an upcoming seminar, gig, event, anything like that, it can all be done at the public email of flashmorganatlive.co.uk. I guess that wraps up another episode. I feel like I'm steamrolling through this uh, outro, if I'm honest. 
I do have something in the oven, but I've got another five minutes according to my timer. But uh, yeah, uh, any any advice on the Zoom would be very much appreciated. Big thanks to Carl Fletcher. Absolutely great episode. Um, I love talking retrospectively about the last 18 months and how much he's come along. And he's become one of my favourite people to watch as well. I said a long time ago that I feel that uh, he hadn't found himself and Dungzilla was the person I was always drawn to watching. And now I felt, find myself a little bit drawn a little bit more to watching Kyle. But nothing against Dungzilla. He's one of my favourite people to wrestle. I have a great chemistry with him. But I don't know, Kyle's been finding this fire recently, which just makes me more drawn and drawn to him. So uh, yeah, these last 18 months... It's been incredible, and I feel that uh, the best is yet to come from him, and the best is yet to come from Aussie Open as well. Him and uh, Davis have some of the best chemistry in the world, and I say in the world because I feel like they could go to New Japan, I feel like they could go to America, Peter Ogie, and I think they could absolutely kill it. So uh, anyone listening out for those guys, definitely send them up there because you will not be disappointed. But yeah, big thanks to Kyle for coming on the show, and I can't wait to see what the, the next 18 months have in store for you. Um, I think that does wrap up my episode completely. Um, if you are heading down to the Dome today for Attack Pro Wrestling, uh, safe travels. I look forward to uh, seeing you there. And uh, hopefully myself and the Wild Bone Money Kitchen will steal the show in a main event that I'm looking forward to. Um, I did say recently that I've wrestled him all over the world, uh, all over the country as well. And the only place I haven't wrestled him is London. So the fact we get to do that at the, at the Attack's uh, London debut at the Dome Tufnell Park I'm very excited about it so uh, yeah big thanks for listening to the show big thanks for uh, Carl Fletch for coming on big thanks for our sponsors Pins and Knuckles merch um, and yeah I guess all I have to say is it's always a pleasure it's always a treasure and bye thanks for stopping by take it easy people have a good week bye